following is a production of Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. All right, on the line with me from TotalSportsLive.com, as well as a contributor for the Philly Metro, is my man Javon Alford. Javon, what's going on, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to have you on. Hey, I wanted to talk about your recent article on Total Sports Live about Miles Sanders. He's doing big things so far this season. You know, he's he's really been able to pick it up as of late. Right now, he's looking at 687 yards rushing, 433 yards receiving. He's setting rookie records, you know, best rookie season since Shady. Now, let me ask you a question. And and I want to I want to start with this question because we're seeing what Miles Sanders has been doing as of late and what he's been doing in the wake of how this running back core has been so beat up this season. You know, Jordan Howard's been on the bench, uh has been on the men. Uh he's what missed 5 6 games now. Probably will miss yeah. uh he'll miss Sunday's game against Dallas. Darren Sproles was he was here for a cup of coffee this season. Now he's out for the year. If you remember last season, let, let's jump in the way back machine. Let's go to last season. <laughs> when out of nowhere came Josh Adams. And he, you know, he assumed he took, he took that role of feature back here in Philly. I mean, he, he did all right. He did a serviceable job. Mm-hmm. But he's not here anymore. My question is, what has Miles Sanders shown you this year that says this is this is different than what we what we went through last year? This isn't Josh Adams again. Now I understand, you know, we we invested a higher draft pick. You know, we have higher expectations. But mm-hmm. what what exactly is he doing that you're saying, hey, you know what, this could be our running back of the future? Because right. as as much as we we were enamored as much as we liked and appreciated Josh Adams last year. I don't think there were too many people who were like, Hey man, I think we found our guy. No, yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. And uh, appreciate you checking out, the, uh, checking out the story. Always. But, um, but the, I think the huge difference that we see with Miles Sanders and, and, uh, and Josh and Josh Adams is that, you know, Miles Sanders is just a more dynamic running back, you know, Josh Adams, Josh Adams was a guy who, like you said, was an undrafted guy. You're thinking, all right, whatever we can get out of him, you know, you'll take it. It's the same thing with Corey Clement. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever you can get out of these guys and help them reach to whatever full potential they have, then you'll take it. But the thing with Josh Adams was he wasn't really known even as a pass catcher coming out of college. And he had some durability issues. So you're thinking, all right, in the Eagles, he predominantly ran the ball north and south. With Miles Sanders, you're seeing the guy who's a, a dynamic running back, who we, you know, even saw that when he was, you know, with when he was at Penn State, and he finally got a chance to start with Saquon Barkley moving on. We got to see the full emergence of our dynamic running back that can not only run the ball, but can also, it also can be in the threat in the passing game. I think that's what we saw with the Eagles early in the season. We saw Miles Sanders, and I think they tried to force him a little bit too much earlier in the season especially when you have a better running back in Jordan Howard where you don't need to force feed that much and try to get him in the game. I think we saw him take a huge step in the passing game. So that's something he was and you would agree with this for the most part. He was like the legit only vertical threat when Deshaun Jackson went down. <laughs> like he, he was the only player that could 
that could get vertical. So when you, you know, when you mentioned that and, you know, you see it now, I think last week's game against Washington was like the full circle of, of what a future running back one could be for this team. You know, we saw the whole thing come together, like the plays earlier season where he wasn't necessarily hitting the hole and wasn't really, you know, taking what the defense was giving him. He showed that last week. Just, all right, defense, take him to hit the hole there. Boom, not going to do a lot of dancing. Shoot up the gas, get what I need to get. So I think, unlike Josh Adams, who I think is a serviceable player, you got a guy, Miles Sanders, who's a dynamic running back, who I think is only going to continue to keep on, you know, getting better. And it's uh, interesting that I think when I was doing this story and I just looked at his last five games, he's pretty much almost replicating what he did in the first nine games. But when you take his last five games this season and you um, and you kind of average it out to sixteen to a sixteen game season, he was actually rushing for over a thousand yards. <laughs> It has been a while since we since you could say the Eagles had a thousand yard rusher, and it's been a while since you even said the Eagles had a hundred yard rusher. I think the last we had a hundred yard rusher that was a Garrett Blunt uh, back in 2017 against the Chargers. Long time. So that seems that's like, a long time ago. That seems like ages ago, and it really wasn't. It you, does. Know, you know, <laughs> you're talking about the season before last. I, I it, it's funny because I, you know, as an Eagles fan. You know, we yes, we've been so you know we we've suffered for so long, and one thing I used to when I would get into it with fans of other teams, especially fans of NFC East teams, they would always want to say, "Oh, you know, you got no rings, you got no rings, or whatever." And even as time would pass between, you know, the the last championship each of those teams had won and the present day. You know, I, I wondered like how much, you know, how long can you carry that on? Like now we're talking like take, you know, take Redskins and Cowboys fans who've now mm-hmm. haven't won in, you know, Redskins, you know, Redskins 25, close to 30 years, Cowboys fans, you know, 23 going on 24 years. And I would wonder like a you know, when when we were talking, when their drought, you don't even want to call it a drought, but when you're talking like two, three years removed, and they're still like, oh, well, we got the rings, you guys don't. And I'm like, how, right. you know, how excited, you know, how much excitement can that really carry over? And then now, you know, fast forward to today, where we're now in the second season, we're two seasons removed from an Eagles championship. And I'm at the point, and and I'm really like now. Now I feel like I have some perspective because I'm sitting here like, you know what? I'm this ain't cool. I'm I'm at what? no point. I I am not like you know. Hey man, well hey, we still won two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like two years ago feels now like two decades ago. <laughs> right. You know I'm 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 not cool. You know, and I feel like now the the entire fan base is over that. Because, you know, in in the wake of them winning that Super Bowl, Howie Roseman was a genius. Mm-hmm. Everyone was calling Howie Roseman a genius. Everybody trusted Howie. And now there are a lot of people like, Howie, what the hell are you doing? Right. You know, we had questions about Doug Peterson, about mm-hmm. his play calling. 
mm-hmm. about his ability, you know, about him as a head coach. Then he won it right. all. And it, people were like, okay, I guess we got to back off. You won it all. You proved that you can do it. Now mm-hmm. we're, two, we're two years removed, and those questions are back. Right. We're right, you know, we're, we're right back where we started. So now, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you're, you know, to, to tie it into what we're saying, you know, we're talking about we haven't had uh, a running back rush for a hundred yards in a game since Legarrette Blunt. You know that, you know that was two seasons ago. But it feels you might as well have said like Emmett Smith or something. You know, we, you, <laughs> you might as well have been talking about the nineties. That feels like so long ago. But nonetheless, you know, Miles Sanders is here. He he is our guy. Now let me you know he he at the risk of being cliche, at the risk you know at at the risk of using you know another one of those tired terms, would you say that Sunday's game against the Redskins was his coming out game? And I'm using air quotes right now. Was that his coming out party? Did Miles Sanders arrive on Sunday? I feel, I, I feel, I feel like I think I, I'm. I would agree with you. I think it was a coming out party. I felt like the Miami game had the potential to be, but then Doug Peterson got stuck in his ways and yeah. decided, "Hey, we're just going to throw the ball all over around." Yeah. I think, like you said, I think that I think the culmination of that game, like you said, was a coming out party because everything that we've seen him, you know, struggle or try to find his footing in earlier in the season. It all just came together right there, and it was just like, wow! Like this guy, you know, not only ran the ball well, but he was so effective on catching the ball out the backfield, you know, and you know, having a, a having almost two hundred yards of total offense. I mean, that's Saquon Barkley s. Yes, and I know they went to the state school, but I mean, and I know they're not the same type of playmaker per se, but to have a running back have one hundred and seventy-two total yards. Of offense, you know, with a with a with a with an offense that's lacking like three wide receivers right now at this point is just impressive. So I think, like you said, I think Miles Sanders had his coming out party against the against Washington. We saw, you know, the prior week before that the undrafted the undrafted, you know, the the, the young the young guy in you know Boston Scott had his another running back who had his coming out party against the New York Giants and kind of brought that. Explosiveness that the Eagles been looking for out of a back his size, a la Darren Sproles. I think they might have found their next Darren Sproles in Boston Scott. So I think, like you said, Miles Sanders definitely, I think, had his coming out party, and I think they should Eagles Eagles fans should be encouraged. It just always comes down to coaching and Doug Peterson willing to commit to run the ball and doing the things that work, which is just getting the ball in your playmaker's hands, screen passes, just. Giving him touches. So let me ask you. This kind of begs the question: How bad are the Washington Redskins? In the sense that you saw what my, you saw what Miles Sanders was able to do, and when you mm-hmm. look at when you look at it, it's like yes, this offense had a beat up offensive line. Pretty much had three guys who worked at Pep Boys last week at wide receiver. You know, they might as well have me, you, Mike Jones at, rec- <laughs> at, at, at receiver. But nonetheless, so so it's like you know what their option is. You know, they got a second-round right. pick that they're high on. Everyone, you know, Miles Sanders isn't shocking anybody. 
Nobody's no. shocked by you know by what Miles Sanders was able to do, or at least what they what expectations the Eagles had. Of mm-hmm. So when right. you're, when you're coming into a game, when you kind of know, all right, really the only option they have is running the ball, and then you see them effectively run the ball. Does that mean is that Miles Sanders being that good, or is that uh, the Redskins pretty much being that bad? Or is it a combination of both? I think it's a, I definitely think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of both because we can we can we can look at that game, and then we can also look at the Dolphins game. The Dolphins came to that game as one of the worst rushing defenses in the league, and the Eagles stopped running the ball for some reason, you know. And then against the Giants, another team that has problems running the ball, and they didn't run the ball really. Then they finally started committing to it in the uh, second half. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think. Miles Sanders is that dynamic and that good, and it's also a little bit of the Redskins. You know, they're a little, they're a little bit weak on defense right now. They're not, the, they're not the best at certain levels. Their defensive line is strong. Don't get me wrong, and I think people forget about that. Like when they look at statistics, when we all do, we look at statistics and we and we rate one, you we rate the court, the you know pass defense, rush defense is like, oh my God, they're horrible. But at the same time, you gotta look. Washington still has a guy on that defensive line. They still got. You know, Matt Ioannidis, they still got a Montez Sweat. They, they, they drafted this in, in this past year's draft. And they got a Deron Payne in the middle, who's, you know, he's, he's a nice young defensive tackle. They got pieces there, and, you know, in, 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 in Miles Sanders, you know, and credit to the Eagles offensive line for dominating and opening up the running lanes for him to, you know, let him do, let him do what he needed to do. All right, real quick before I let you go. Now, now you see the test that they have in front of them. You got the Dallas Cowboys this weekend in a game that could, that I, I can't even say could mean a division. It will mean a division. They have to win in order to win the division and go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This this we're not talking about. You know, we're not talking about the two and the, at the time two and nine uh, Redskins or the at the time two and nine Giants. Now you're playing right. the Dallas Cowboys. What could you, what do you expect from Miles Sanders on Sunday? I I, I expect I, I, John, the, the the Cowboys defense this season has been very suspect. They have they have struggled at all in all three levels, and I don't think that's to be missed. That's to be missed. You know, mis, misinterpreted or, mis, or, or 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 not stated clearly enough. So I think Miles Sanders, I think this is another game where, and I, and I say this all the time, you got to get him at least 20 to 25 touches in the game. 20 to 25. And we saw what happened against Washington. He had 19 carries, and I think he had about six or seven receptions, I'm not mistaken, or maybe five, mm-hmm. five, five to seven receptions. 20 touches. That's good. It's almost like we have to treat him like we treat, like how the Eagles treated under Andy Reid, the Brian Westbrook and the LaShawn McCoy. He's got the dynamic. You don't have any other options right now, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that can make and create plays. So I think for Miles Sanders, you've got to at least get him 20 to 25 catches. And if you can get him to, and if you can get him to a, a hundred um, a total yards, that would be fantastic. But overall, if you're an Eagles fan, you need the Eagles. You need to see, you need to see the Eagles run the ball and get over the hundred yard mark. Because if they're getting over the hundred yard mark, they're going to be in good shape for a victory. All right. That was Javon Alford from Total Sports Live as well as Metro Philly. Thank you, my friend. Ain't no problem. You feel this podcast? To hear this and more, 
go to SamCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to TotalSportsLive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and I can quit whenever I want. Just treat me better. After all, we're in this together. To get your high blood pressure to a healthy range, visit heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. The following is a production of Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. All right, you guys, bring it in for another edition of Green Over Everything. It's time to talk Eagles, because this is the game... This this is it. This is your season. This is your season. You always you hear about must win games all year round. Is this a must win game? Is this a must win game? Here we are with our uh with the Eagles. Seven losses. So here we are, Eagles seven and seven. Two games left in the season. A wild card spot is out of reach. They have to win the division, and the team that they are tied with that has a better division record and a win over the Eagles earlier this season are standing right in front of them. This becomes a must-win game. We've talked about must-win games in the past, but this, my friends, truly is a must-win game. So let's talk about what they have to do to win this game. Let me bring in my partner, my homie, the host of Offense, Defense, and Discourse, Mr. Mike Jones. Mike, what's going on, my friend? Oh, man, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Now, I hear you mentioning the phrase must win. Yes. This is the truest definition of must win. This is essentially a playoff game for the Eagles. They lose this game, they are eliminated from the playoffs. Now, so, you hear the cliche, must win, thrown around a lot. But this is the true definition, win or go home. Last time we talked, it was on offense, defense, and discourse. We talked about the struggles of the NFC East. Looked like nobody really wanted to win it. Somebody has to win it, but it looked like nobody really wanted to win it. We talked about the Eagles' struggles and how a lot of the Eagles' struggles have been wrapped around injury. Yes, there's been, there has been some poor play. You know, mm-hmm. there, there has been poor play. It's not strictly injuries. But, however, a, bi- a huge factor has been injuries. But on the flip side, you know, you, where you and I kind of had a difference of opinion, whereas I, I felt like Dallas scared me. Dallas worried me because they had been healthy, but yet they struggled, whether it be because of coaching, whether it be because of you know inconsistent play. But nonetheless, it I I worry a little bit because I felt like at any given moment, maybe this light switch goes on, maybe Dallas figures it out, maybe they make a couple of plays and they turn things around. You know, you, you know, 
you came from the mindset is you didn't trust Dallas because Dallas struggles so much. Because that da- you know, because Dallas has been healthy, yet they're sitting on seven losses just like us. But that that kind of you know that like I said, that affected your trust in the Dallas Cowboys. However, Dallas comes out last Sunday and oh, handles the Rams. You have zero trust in the Cowboys. So let me ask you this. Does that zero loss on Sunday change Cowboys. anything? Hmm? I also have zero trust in the Rams. I said I also have zero faith in the Rams. Okay. That was another game with have lots of talent and also lots of dysfunction with both of those organizations. Yeah. So that Rams-Cowboys game, that was a game somebody had to lose. Because you were looking at two very talented teams that have underperformed this season. You saw that Cowboys-Rams game the other night. So in your so that didn't really tell me much about either of those teams. Really? So so what you're saying is, despite the fact that they handled the Rams, and, and the, like you said, the Rams had struggled. They had their struggles like the Cowboys. But it seemed like they had turned things around. It seemed like they were turning the corner and maybe putting some things together. And then next thing you know, they go into Dallas and get smashed. But in your eyes, that does not change. That, that hasn't changed much for me. The Rams were a team that sent their Super Bowl loss last year to New England. Mm. And honestly, going back, prior to their Super Bowl loss to a regular season loss they had last year. I believe it was to the Bears where they essentially deployed a six-man defensive front. Mm -hmm. You've seen many defenses employ a similar tactic, if not identical, to what the Bears did to the Rams. The Patriots did it to them in the Super Bowl. You've seen several teams do it to the Rams this year. And their system just seems to struggle against that hybrid front teams have been deploying. And Jared Goff, similar to Dak Prescott, seems to take a step backward when the pressure gets to him. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Dak has seen, seems to have taken at least somewhat of a step forward with that in handling pressure this year. Goff, I'm still waiting to see that development. Okay, so give so that being said, let's turn to this game. Let's turn to Sunday's game. What exactly do the Eagles have to do? What what do we need the Eagles to do in order to come out of Sunday's game with the win? They, it needs to be one of two things, in my opinion, but probably a combination of both of them, where. It's a combination of pass rush on Dak Prescott and coverage on the back end from the secondary. They have to slow down the Cowboys' passing game. That's the Eagles have been fairly stout against the run this season. Yes, but part of that has been because teams have been fairly comfortable throwing the ball against the Eagles this year. So there's no reason to force the run against a decent run D when a secondary can't hold up and the pass rush hasn't necessarily been getting home. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is, if we're going to start on defense, do you trust this Do you trust this Eagles secondary to slow these guys down? Do you trust no, Ron- not at all. Do you trust, I mean, how much face do you have in Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby? 
they are possibly the most bipolar secondary in the NFL. Mm. You've seen games this year where the Eagles' defense has looked phenomenal. The Patriots game, the Packers game, the Bills game, the defense looked good. There were a couple other games. The Seattle game, the defense played well. And then there have been games, the Giants game, the Dolphins game, the both Redskins games, where you're wondering, how is this team able to put up 30 points on the Eagles' defense? They're not good. So... This Eagles defense, they seem to try to at least fight, compete, rise to the occasion when they're playing tougher teams. Mm-hmm. But they are also play, quite capable of playing down to inferior competition. So definitely, definitely. to answer your question, do I trust this Eagles secondary? No. I believe they have the physical ability to play well, but that does not mean I trust them to. Which is a part, honestly, I believe how we came to the conclusion last time we talked that this is a division no one really seems to want to win. It, it, it truly is. It, it truly is. So it's it's funny how how things go, how conversations go, narratives, things like that, and people talk about you know, the better the betterment of the team. What's better for the mm-hmm. team? And there will always, when a team is struggling, when a team is struggling and kind of on the cusp, like when it's, when you are not a clear cut Super Bowl contender and you're kind of in the middle of the pack where the Eagles are now, and they might not even be in the middle of the pack. They might be towards the end of the pack, but just good enough to make that run, you know, that next step up to that next tier. Like at seven, you know, at seven and seven, you know, they could easily, they could easily lose two more games, finish at seven and nine, and then you're at the bottom. Or they could win two games, go to nine and seven, and go to the play and host a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Host a playoff game where they would probably play Seattle, where they played them pretty tough. But none, but nonetheless, you will always hear the, you'll always go by you know with those people who will say you know what's better for the team. Maybe they shouldn't make the playoffs. Maybe they should just you know miss the playoffs and get a high draft pick and rebuild. And to that, I would say this is not the NBA. Yes. Okay. Thank you. We. I know we host a show called Offense, Defense, and Discourse, but I am in full agreement with you. There will never be a situation in football where I feel like yeah, not making the playoffs. Yeah, football is a league where you see teams go from worst to first, and you also see teams stay in first for years. Yeah. It, it's more about cap management and finding the proper – talent for your team than necessarily having that one number one overall guy. Mm-hmm. You see, I mean, I'm not going to go through and list them all right now, but you've seen plenty of number one picks over the years that never won or even made it to a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and you've seen plenty of guys taken in later rounds that have been Super Bowl MVP. The NFL draft is a good way to accumulate talent, but the the difference between having pick number five and pick number 15 is more 
your front office than it is in number of the pick. We're living in an era where right now we are seeing quite possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. We're in, we're, we are in a posi- we are in a position where right now arguably the greatest quarterback of all time is currently playing and he was what a 6 round pick Correct a, a 6 round pick who inherited that position through injury They stumbled upon Tom Brady So it's not like you know you know and and you know it and, and back in the day, people believed that Drew Bledsoe was that guy. Drew Bledsoe, there was a point in time when Drew Bledsoe was that young quarterback that people thought was like was going to be that elite guy. Exactly. Drew Bledsoe was the guy who had the pedigree and the high draft pick and all the talk about how good he was going to be. And he was supposed to be the quarterback that led the Patriots into the future. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he helped lead them to a Super Bowl. You know, like people, people forget that that Super Bowl that the Patriots lost to the Packers. That was Drew Bledsoe's. That was Drew Bledsoe's team. You know, he had gotten them to a Super Bowl. Yes, they fell short. You know, yes they they fell mm-hmm. short. They fell short in uh in the Super Bowl against you know another team that a lot of people consider you know one of the greatest teams of all time. But nonetheless, people you know Drew Bledsoe was that guy. He gets hurt. His replacement is Tom Brady, a six round pick who then goes on to possibly be the greatest quarterback of all time. So it's like you can find those gems. Who are we talking about right now? Who's the who's the top name that everyone's talking about in the NFL right now? They're talking about Lamar Jackson. Is he a top pick? No. He, he was the last pick of the first round. Last and pick of the first round. Sat there on TV waiting. Russell, Russell Wilson was what, a third-round pick? Dak mm-hmm. Prescott was a fourth-round pick. Aaron Rodgers was picked in the tw- like somewhere eighteen to twenty-two range. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly. Yes, Patrick Mahomes was picked twelve. There were three other quarterbacks drafted ahead of Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could go down this list and see multiple times where guys performed their draft status. Or that you could look at a guy like Jameis Winston who was taken number one, Marcus Russell who was taken number one. You know. Mm-hmm. You see these things all the time where the time, that you know, number one pick never turned into anything. Where's RG3 right now? Andrew Luck's out of the league. You know, Marcus oh, Mariota's RG3's bench. RG3's playing backup to the guy who was taken. RG3 was backing up a guy who was taken at the end of the first round, and RG3 was the top pick. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, the number two pick the behind two Luck, pick. who was also out of the league right now. Yeah, exactly. 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 So it's not about, you know, it's, you can't tank in the NFL. It's not about tanking. And, you know, it's, this is not the NBA where, you know, you lose a bunch of games, you get yourself a high draft pick and you can instantly turn yourself around. You can find that type of player to turn yourself around anywhere in the draft. In the NFL, you can do something like what Miami did where you got your roster to accumulate assets. But you can't tank and intentionally lose games and thinking that just moving up a spot or two will ensure you get a better player or the best player for your team. Agreed. That, that is more about legwork from the front office. No, 
Agreed. Agreed. So the, the pressure isn't, I mean, to me, I, I still want to see the Eagles win. I want to see them get into the playoffs. Fact still remains, they win this division, they get a home game, and they possibly play in either a inexperienced Niners team or a Seattle team that they hung tough with and played tough. And we've seen we've now we're we're in an era where a team in our division won a Super Bowl twice at 9 and 7. We've seen it. We watched Seattle dethrone the uh at the time the reigning Super Bowl champions uh New Orleans Saints in a home game in the playoffs at 9 and 7. I'm not sitting here trying to make unfair or unrealistic predictions of where this can go, what can happen. But the bottom line is all you want to do is get there. In the NFL, all you need to do when the playoffs come around is get there. Then it's Yeah, you open. sound a lot more optimistic about this situation than I do. Well, I will say that I mean it's the it's, it's well I will say this. I think it's just being realistic. That all I'm not predicting, you know, this whirlwind you know, her historic run. But the truth of the matter is all you need to do is get there. And they could very possibly win the division, host a playoff game, and just get cooked. If that were to happen, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised. But nonetheless, it would say, hey, you know what? Maybe there is some talent on this roster. You know, maybe Miles Sanders oh, is that guy. There is a question about that's the thing. I don't believe that there are questions about the fact whether or not there's talent on the Eagles roster. There is absolutely talent on the Eagles roster, and there are also some talent deficiencies on the Eagles roster. And I don't believe that either can be changed during the course of the season. Your talent, where the places that you have mm-hmm. talent, that those spots are set for a couple years. Carson went despite the struggles of lack of weapons this year, is a talented quarterback. Miles Sanders is a talented runner. He set the Eagles record for yards from yards from scrimmage for a rookie. There there are some talented pieces on that defense. The Eagles' talent is what it is. The one thing you cannot fix during this year is finding speed. You can't coach speed. Technique doesn't fix speed. You need players with speed on the outside on both sides of the ball. Agreed. Agreed. I think they need not only do they need speed, but they need speed and youth. You know, I thought the idea that Deshaun Jackson could bring some speed to this wide receiver score, it, it was a noble idea, but the fact still remains that Deshaun Jackson has more years behind him than he does in front of him. And you saw what, what happened once you once he was taken out of that lineup, what was left. You know, you, you can't trust – I don't – you can't trust a thirty-plus-year-old wide receiver to be a speed guy anymore. I, I don't know if that if, if that's being realistic. They need they need that speed, not but not they not need to speed. Be your only speed guy. Yeah. Okay. That's, like, the, that's really the problem. He's their only speed guy, and the rest of their receivers are guys who are all kind of mirror images of each other, running four five or four six forties, mm-hmm. decent size, but. No, no one that really creates separation downfield and has hands. Agreed. 
Agreed. Because, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to ignore Aguilar's speed. Aguilar is capable of getting downfield and getting open. Yeah, he, he can get open. We, we've seen him get open. You know, get open and catch the ball. That's that's a, that's a whole other story. But before I let you go, real quick, what is your prediction for Sunday? Sunday, I I think it's going to be less than beautiful game. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think we're going to see a perfectly played game. I think it will be ugly. There'll be some turnovers. It'll be hard fought. And then in the end, I have a 24-21 score. You say 24-21, but yet you did not say who you believe was going to win. And that is very telling and very scary. You you know me well. I I I do know you well. So should I? So you're saying Dallas twenty four, Eagles twenty one. Yeah, I just think with the Eagles' offensive limitations, it will be difficult for them to score the necessary amount of points to win. All right. Well, look, my friend, I am going to be. I will be the optimist. I will be optimist prime today. And I am saying Eagles 20, Dallas 17. That is my prediction. That is what I'm going with. We will come when when you and I meet once again to talk sports. We will be talking about your NFC East champion, Philadelphia Eagles. That is my prediction. We'll see Sunday. <laughs> I did, you know don't sound so sure but look man have faith my friend have faith all right that was mike jones once again thank you for listening to the greed over everything podcast remember you can check us out facebook instagram twitter at bitw sports and download this podcast on soundcloud on uh itunes and on google play we'll talk to you guys next time green over everything go birds you feeling this podcast to hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports.